Hey everybody, our board slash OITE podcast companion book is now available for you to follow along and take notes with our podcast review. Just click the link in the description. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Regardless of your residency program year, the Resident Orthopedic Core Knowledge Platform developed by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons is right for you. Free to residents, ROC is an online learning program that covers 11 subspecialty areas with content that's been authored and curated by some of the leading names in orthopedics. And residents can access content for free at rock.aos.org. Get started today. Hello, all. Welcome back again to another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. My name is Dr. Cole, and myself and Dr. Spencer Wine are doing our OITE slash our board review series. Now, we hope that you all uh, did well on your recent OITE exams. For all of you that are residents that have just taken the exam, we hope that our review has helped at least get a couple questions. Uh, I just actually took it myself as well, so I know there are at least a couple things that we talked about on this podcast that were on that test and uh, many things that we talked about that was not on that test as well. Um, but nonetheless, let's go ahead and continue on and finish up some foot and ankle, and then we'll uh, go to joints next. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. I think we move on to uh, to something that you have recently kind of experienced, unfortunately, and that oh, is yeah. the Achilles tendon. And so, um, <laughs> so let's say that you are uh, you're a fourth year orthopedic resident, and uh, in your free time, you're you're playing either pickup basketball or you're just out <laughs> kind of working out, and uh, you feel uh, you hear a snap and you feel immense pain in your uh, posterior heel, what's one of the tests you're going to perform? Oh man, that's, uh, you know, that right there is you're looking at, um, you're looking and you're having a concern for an acute Achilles tendon rupture. Um, so some of the things that you want to be on the lookout for there is you may perform a, a Thompson test where you try to squeeze the, the calf to see if you have any plantar flexion of the foot. And you can also be looking at a mat lease test where you have the patient prone and you have both of their knees flexed and you look to see if one uh, one ankle is more dorsiflexed than the other. So you would think in the patient where their Achilles tendon is not intact, um, that you would have more resting dorsiflexion because your Achilles tendon isn't intact. So those will be positive. And unfortunately, um, I, this, <laughs> this happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was getting back into the gym, man. I was, I was like a month in and, um, and I went to the gym and I was like, oh, it's a nice day out. Let me just go just, just shoot a couple of hoops by myself and then go into the gym and get a workout in. So, you know, I went to um, shoot some hoops for a little while, or a couple other guys shooting. Hey, you want to play a game? I was like, yeah, sure. Um, stretch for a while. You know, it was crazy as I was having Achilles like tendonitis in my other foot. So I stretched that for like a smooth, like 10, 15 minutes. And then we started to play and it was the last point of the game. And I took one step back and I just in, in you know, literally the last point in the game, I took a step back and I was about to go up for a rebound. And I just heard a, a loud snap. It was like like a gunshot went off, and I felt like somebody kicked me in my heel. And I turned around, angry, like who did that? And there's nobody behind me. 
And then, and then I looked down at my ankle. I was like, oh, man, it's my Achilles. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, I knew it as soon as it happened, man. You know, they were like, how do you know? I was like, I just know, man, it's my Achilles. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, positive every test in the book, man. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I ended up getting it. Well, not unfortunately, but I ended up uh, yeah, getting an MRI as well, just confirming because, you know, normally you don't need a fit nor need an MRI to uh, to when you're assessing people with, you know, Achilles tendon ruptures normally, you know, or not normally, but in many cases, you can just go off physical exam and history and physical alone. But I also get an MRI, which confirmed that there was like a three centimeter gap. And I was like, ah, oh, man. So <laughs> I ended up getting my fix not too long ago. Um but anyway, so that's my my short Achilles tendon story. So it does sound like uh, a gunshot or something went off and you think somebody kicked you in the heels whenever whenever you have a patient that tells you that. Trust me, it's true. I know from personal experience. Um, and, uh, and and one other thing um, that I want to, I guess, ask on is or ask about is is this this. Oh, I, I, I forgot to mention this is this silver fold, silver scold um, test. Um, that that you also can have when you when you're assessing for some type of of a contracture when you're assessing for a gastrocnemius um, um, or a soleus contracture and especially in these patients with posterior tibial tendonitis and so what this is is when you have a patient um, and they have like a really tight Achilles you flex their knee and you look for improved ankle dorsiflexion. If you do have an improved ankle dorsiflexion, this is going to be due to the gastrocnemius because you know that the gastrocnemius crosses two joints. The gastrocnemius crosses the ankle and the knee and attaches on the posterior aspect of the femur. So if you flex the knee, you should relax uh, where it crosses a joint. And if you have improved dorsiflexion, you know it's not, uh, you know that it's due to um, the gastrocnemius. But if you flex the knee and the contracture is um, is not better and you don't have improved ankle dorsiflexion, it's a negative test and you, knew, and you know that this is due to a contracture of the Achilles tendon or the soleus. And these are patients that could benefit from an, an Achilles lengthening. So again, if the contracture is due to the gastrocnemius, those are patients that could benefit from a gastroc resection. If the contracture is due to the Achilles tendon or the but a soleus, these are patients that can benefit from an Achilles lengthening. So you also want to uh, evaluate this for patients with um, posterior tibial tendonitis. Now, what are some, you know, we know about some of the acute, um, acute, you know, Achilles injuries, um, but what are some possible causes of pain in the Achilles tendon area, I guess, just kind of in general? So, Primarily, insertional Achilles tendinopathy, I think, is the primary uh, cause. And when you look on an x-ray, and I always had kind of a difficult time kind of noticing this, or maybe it was just my own ability to accept the difference in the calcaneus x-rays, but it's called a Hagelund deformity. And what that is, is a kind of a protuberance around the uh, Achilles insertion. And if you've seen numerous normal calcanei x-rays, then you will see a 
kind of a change in that Achilles insertion, but there is a small bony prominence that can lead to a haggling deformity. It's kind of a, um, excuse me, attraction uh, osteophyte from Achilles uh, tendinopathy. You can also have non-insertional Achilles tendinopathy, which is like a paratendinitis or a kind of a musculotendous insertion tendinopathy sort of uh, issue. You can have an acute Achilles tendon tear. And then just like our olecranon and our greater troche, we have a retrocalcaneal bursitis. And the retrocalcaneal bursitis is really going to cause issues with uh, shoe wear. And if the patient says, you know what, and now I've just resorted to either being barefoot or wearing sandals because uh, I can't wear shoes anymore, that is most likely the issue rather than an actual Achilles tendon issue. And so uh, they may not bring that up on exams, uh, but just in clinical practice, if you are going into foot and ankle and they, you have a patient who's like, I wear sandals everywhere because I can't wear shoes, then it's probably a retrocalcaneal bursitis. Um, and so I think, uh, kind of moving forward with Achilles tendon disorders, and there is some controversy in the literature as to what is the best thing to do for these. What are some treatment options for patients with Achilles tendon? Yeah. So just, you know, just kind of cover our basis. So patients that have a insertional Achilles uh, tendinopathy, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, patients with maybe a prominence or a haggling deformity. Um, these patients uh, may benefit from a debridement uh, as well as a haggling deformity removal, um, plus or minus the tendon of the FHL, so the flexor halicus longus transfer, if greater than 50% of the tendon is involved. Um, so again, you can transfer, and it's really just right next to, uh, right next to the Achilles, or a little bit, you know, a little bit deeper, but it's right next to it. So did you have your transfer? No, no, I just had an end-to-end uh, repair, and then they also put a a, a patch uh, on top of it. Like so, one of the patches that it doesn't necessarily provide structural support, support, but supposed to provide a you know some um, biology for tendon healing. It's one of the, this is I think this is the Smith and Nephew Regentin patch. No disclosures here. I have no stake <laughs> in, in Smith and Nephew at all. <laughs> but um, I had one of those patches uh, put on, so I got an N10 repair. I know there are many different techniques to, uh, you know, for acute Achilles tendon repairs as well. But that, I just got a, the, the good old crack owl N to N plus a patch. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Are you an orthopedic resident? then you need to know about ROCK. It's a new resident orthopedic core knowledge program developed by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Created for U.S. residency programs and free to residents, ROCK covers 11 subspecialties and is filled with in-depth, comprehensive content and quizzes that have been authored and vetted by some of the leading experts in orthopedics. This all-in-one curriculum will give you the foundation and knowledge you need to become a successful board-certified orthopedic surgeon. And remember, access to ROCK content is free to residents. Get started at rock.aaos.org. Um, so those are some of the treatment options for insertional Achilles tendinopathies. 
for non-insertional Achilles tendinopathies, kind of like the uh, peritoneitis or the tendinosis. This one's you send them to therapy. Uh, you can give them um, eccentric stre- strengthening, um, bracement, or you know, kind of an injection. And then if those don't work, you can also take them to the OR and do a debridement with tubularization. And again, if more than 50% of the tendon is involved, you can do an FHL tendon transfer. And then patients that have that retrocalcaneal bursitis, uh, like you were talking about the patients that are saying that, hey, I just walk around with a sandal. Um, those are patients that may benefit from a Hagland uh, deformity resection plus a bursectomy. Um, now, what should you be can... <laughs> <laughs> here we go what should you uh uh what should you should you be concerned about in a in a 40 year old male man it's so crazy just like i think I, I i know for a fact i'm pretty positive i did not write like i wrote this before this happened to me uh and this is exactly what happened um but what should you be concerned about in a 40 year old i think at least i think i did uh what should you be concerned about in a 40 year old male with ankle pain who heard a pop and had ankle pain while playing basketball and he said that he thought somebody kicked his heel and it's so true <laughs> yep you're aging yourself a little bit I know, right <laughs> oh, but man. uh yeah achilles tendon rupture and interestingly just like you kind of said in your own kind of uh injury is these are uh not traumatic related and what I mean by that is it's not the result of uh, something hitting your heel these are mostly due to either an eccentric load so you're getting ready to push off like you're you're going from a, a standing position into a sprint or you're coming down from a jump and you're landing in an eccentric position that's going to cause these acute tendon ruptures and and that's why somebody's like oh i i thought that somebody kicked me and that's why when it happened to you you look behind you but you didn't see anybody there because it, it <laughs> feels like somebody actually does kick you but it's it really doesn't actually happen um and so yeah achilles tendon rupture that's that's the uh classic kind of scenario they're going to give you is somebody who's kind of <laughs> unfortunately getting back into the game they, yep. <laughs> uh, they are uh they, they still think they got it <laughs> and it happens but uh i i mean you know this all too well i'm sure you had a long discussion with your uh orthopedic surgeon I and did. stuff and so so what what are the options presented for patients who have acute achilles tendon ruptures yeah. So, you know, you have the non-operative um, management options. So non-op treatment. And, and with this, it's an accelerated functional rehabilitation with early range of motion. We have a faster return um, to mobility than casting. And we looked at this as we talked about this with maybe probably at this point, one of the previous um um, how do you call it? Citation classics episodes. Um, but the well, some of the articles that these are based on, you know, in these articles, the patients are, you know, are being either having surgery within two weeks of having their injury or having this accelerated functional rehabilitation with early range of motion protocols. So these aren't patients that are coming like four, five, six, seven, eight weeks after their injury. So that's just one thing to note when you're looking at non-operative treatment. But non-operative treatment is an option. 
Um, and again, accelerated functional rehab with early range of motion may um, lead to a faster return to mobility than pacing a patient in a cast. And then when you look at operative treatment, you have open versus percutaneous uh, procedures. They both have similar outcomes. I had an open procedure done where you, you just kind of cut it open and take a look at it. First, you can have these percutaneous procedures. I think one of the popular ones is kind of that PARS technique, um, if, you, if you heard of that. But these percutaneous procedures may have a higher uh, rate of sural nerve injuries, and, but it's also associated with less wound complications. So, you know, you got, you know, you kind of got to take one for one. For one. Um, but is there any difference between non-operative versus operative treatment for mid-substance Achilles tendon ruptures? Now, we're not talking about like the avulsions off the calc, but we're talking about mid-substance Achilles tendon ruptures. So for the uh, mid-substance Achilles tendon uh, ruptures, there's it, it's a little bit controversial. The studies will show similar outcomes with both. Um, the kind of classic uh, thing, at least of what I was taught in residency, was um, with non-operative treatment, the thing you have to be careful for is increased re-rupture rates but similar kind of return to activity. Um, they might have a little bit decreased strength, but the non-operative treatment just seemed to, the only uh, downside to it was they would tend to re-rupture more than the operative treatment. Um, but in the operative treatment groups, you're going to have more complications, obviously, because you're operating on them. You don't, you can't have a surgical complication in a patient that you've never cut open. So um, in the surgical group, you have decreased re-rupture rates, similar outcomes, but higher increased complications. And the complications can range from uh, anything that are as minor as just a kind of a wound cellulitis to a frank uh, failure of fixation and deep infection. And so you, uh, just like you said, you have to kind of do the risks and benefits of of each and for a orthopedic resident who's a non-smoker, otherwise healthy and uh, has no medical comorbidities, then an open procedure to repair their Achilles tendon might be the beneficial thing. But if they are a 45-year-old laborer, um, maybe has some hypertension, a little bit of diabetes and that sort of stuff, then they may be more uh, apt to uh, non-surgical management. And so um, uh, that's for the mid-substance tears. But what about the insertional Achilles tendon ruptures? Yeah, so for these, I mean, yeah, you probably should treat these surgically. <laughs> I think surgical repair uh, is typically recommend, uh, recommended. And, you know, you could treat the uh, with the numerous um, different types of techniques, you can treat these with kind of screw fixation into the evolves uh, piece if the piece is large enough. I know some um, people that will will suture the tendon and put drill holes in, into the calcaneus and kind of uh, use some anchors uh, in the calc as well. Um, so there are many different techniques, but if you actually have an insertional Achilles tendon rupture where it inserts or this is an avulsion from the calc, you should probably surgically repair those. And 
that's just moving forward. We talked about the posterior tibial tendon. We talked about the Achilles tendon. Now we'll talk about the perennial tendons. I know there are two. Um, in what patients are perennial tendon tears more common in? So uh, those patients are going to, they're going to have cable varus foot uh, deformities. And uh, then, I mean, far less common is going to be anatomic variants. So a low lying peroneus brevis muscle and a peroneus quartius uh, muscle. Um, those are not going to be tested on. And uh, you can all contact me directly if they do uh, <laughs> on that and get on my case about that because I am 99.9% .9 certain that they will not test you on a low-lying peroneus brevis muscle. Um, no, no. Um, the, the thing you have to be careful for is a cavovarus foot. And uh, what they will test you on is either peroneal tendon issues in the cavovarus foot. And also, I mean, we covered this a little bit before, but uh, fifth metatarsal injuries in cavovarus foot disorders. So oh, yeah. um, they are at an increased risk for lateral based issues purely because of the shape of their foot. Um, whether that is a uh, just an anatomic variant of them, or if they have Charcot-Marie tooth, which is an uh, issue with the uh, PMP22 uh, gene, then uh, they also will have issues. So um, let's see, let's say you have a patient, maybe they have on a lateral x-ray, they have a cavus foot and they have lateral ankle issues um, that are kind of broad and not entirely uh, convincing. So you, so you decide to order a, a more advanced imaging. What sort of things are you looking for? Yeah. So if you're looking at an MRI, um, that could be useful to diagnose longitudinal tears in the tendon. And I think for these types of things, I really want you to, they'll like really go in on the imaging for these. Like you should be able to recognize like an imaging of a perennial tendon tear or perennial tendon dislocations, or even earlier when like a lot of foot stuff, they want you to know the imaging, like the, um, uh, what else did we have? We talked about the cable various foot. We talked to, I think this tear is like knowing the, how, what a stress fracture looks like on MRI, all these things are things they want you to know. Um, so again, when we're looking at perennial um, tendon tears, an MRI can be uh, useful in looking at longitudinal tears in the tendons. Sometimes you get some false positive results. So um, an ultrasound is also useful. And you can also do the di a dynamic exam of the tendons. So you can do a dynamic exam and see, well, are the tendons subluxating? Are they like frankly dislocating and get going out of the groove or not? Um, so that's another imaging source that can be useful. And so some of the treatment options, the operative treatment options, at least for these, besides, you know, the physical therapy, rest, anti-inflammatories, um, and physical therapy, besides those non-operative treatment options, the operative treatment options include a tenosynovectomy plus repair of the tear. Um, you can do that if there's less than 50% of the tendon involved. Um, you can do a tenodesis or a tendon transfer if greater than 50% of the tendon is involved. And if these patients have a varus hind foot, because, you know, you just mentioned a little bit earlier um, about um, patients with a cable varus foot 
having a higher incidence of having perennial tendon tears as well as those fifth metatarsal fractures. Um, these ones were maybe where you need to fix the cavavarous foot deformity and do a lateral slide calcaneous, uh, calcaneal osteotomy if hind foot varus is present. And we talked a little bit earlier about posterior tibial um, tendonitis and doing a medial sliding calcaneal um, osteotomy. And that's because there was hind foot valgus present. So obviously, or if you just kind of think it through, if there's hind foot varus present, you can do a lateral sliding calcaneal osteotomy or the opposite. We hope you all enjoyed that episode. Please hit the subscribe button and leave a review for us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or however you listen to us. That would help us out a ton. And don't forget to go and check out the OITE podcast companion book for all the notes that go along with uh, foot and ankle. All right.